You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 81st episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. I am Tim Hayes in Orlando, Florida, back from hibernation. Um, I'm Matt. I'm in Minneapolis. It's probably in the 40s. Pretty nice. Yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. Been building fires in the backyard, little guy? I haven't. I've been meaning to. I don't have a lot of wood to burn. I got to go over to Matt McDonough's house and grab a chunk of the house so I have something <laughs> to burn. It might be time to uh, start burning down the um, the ice house. No, 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 no. The ice house is in good shape. I'm not burning that down. <laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I'm Spencer, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, um, where it's slightly warmer than Minneapolis, but not all that much. You so the sea breezes. The big news yep. here, guys, is that we took a week off, and the internet was a buzz. So much has happened in the world of cycling, and so we've decided to kind of break this episode down to the the nuts and bolts. So the bolts part is going to be all the cycling news you could possibly handle, and the nuts part has to do with cyclocross nat- nat- naturally. So um, let's get right to it. The first thing we need to talk about is one of our favorite racers, Dan Craven of Europe Car, has signed to a new team. He has a contract. What? Who? <laughs> Velo News reporting it today. And it was passed our way Come on. by fan of the podcast, Brandon Gavick, that the... How does Gavick know? Gavick has his ear to the ground. <laughs> the Cycling Academy team, the Continental team, backed by mm-hmm. world champion Peter Sagan in its inaugural season, is bringing some world tour firepower to its lineup in 2016. Three established pros. Dan Craven, Yarmi Bolvin of Optum Kelly Benefit, and then Chris Butler of Smart Stop, who used to race for BMC. So Craven is now the team leader. But there's lots to be pointed out here that Nikki Sorensen is the team director. Really? Yeah. Wait. And it's an Israeli-based team because they're backed by um, former Israeli uh, Saxo Bank rider, rider Ron Marglio. Wait, so they're called the <laughs> Cycling Academy. Yep. They're sponsored by... Peter Sagan is like a, a financial backer, maybe, is, is kind of how I'm reading this. So an Israeli guy who was on Saxo Bank yep. as a former Saxo DS, and then Sagan is somehow money. Why is Sagan giving money? Though? Well, Sagan may not be giving money. He's an advisor to the team. I'm reading it right here. Sagan's manager, ex-pro Giovanni Lombardi, is oh, yeah. the... Uh, and he the, wrote for Saxo, didn't he, too? He's the main backing here. So there you go. Okay. Lombardi's the back. Okay. Oh, All right. the, the I, important thing is that the beard will live on. 
Dan Craven yeah. will be at the races. That's and, uh, that's cool. Are they um? What are what level? Conti, Pro Conti. It looks like Pro Continental. Is that um, below Conti? It's a Continental <laughs> no, it's, team. It's, okay. Now, wait, wait. Spencer, wait. So what, it, it goes, what's the level? It goes, it goes World Tour, Pro okay, Continental, Pro and Continental. then Continental. So Dan Craven's going down to like Double A, but really he's going to be the All Star. Supposed to be the All Star yep. on Double A. No, can you guys answer me this? Why you have to write pro? Like, why pro Conti? Because the guys who are Conti, they're pro. Well, it's next level. Right? I know but, like, who you ask. <laughs> couldn't they come up with something a little more inventive for that level in between? Like Conti, you know, pro Conti. I have a good. I have a good anecdote about uh, where the line for pro is. Um, uh-huh. I, uh, and, uh, uh, in a former life, I was uh, I was working uh, kind of as an inside sales guy in the bike industry, and uh, one of our reps was uh, Mark McCormick, former national champion uh, on the road and in cross. Pro. And uh, some somebody at our table was like, "Ah, oh, check out my new Oakleys!" Like, yeah, blah blah blah. Like, got them from our sponsor at at a deal. And Mark was like, I think he said, uh, I'm so pro, check out my sponsored glasses. You know, we got them on a deal, team deal or something. And he was like, that's not pro. <laughs> and shut that kid down. And he was like, what do you mean, dude? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you paid money for it? It's not pro. <laughs> so That's, that's, the, that's, that's the old rule of thumb, right? Like, if you bought your helmet, you're not pro. <gasps> I'm pro. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, if, if, you if, a, if you paid for anything, any of your equipment that you're using or wearing or anything, the 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 old school definition would be like that you are not pro. Unless no. unless you got uh, your shoes, maybe you had to buy your shoes because you needed like the custom insoles. Like shoes are maybe the only things that you well, can get away with having to buy on your own. I know, but, uh, <laughs> not according to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> he would get his three pairs, wear two all season, and sell the last ones brand new in the box. <laughs> so of course guys i thought that was pretty big news and huge congratulations to dan craven looks like the yeah. team's yeah. going to be racing in africa europe and north america um uh trying to that's why they got some of that domestic firepower they also got a rider from air gas safeway to join the team guess who it isn't damn it chris horner got a team without in. a was- contract Guys, so much has been going on in this last week. We might have to take multiple weeks off. We didn't even talk about a little bit of news about Tom Danielson. Wait, Tommy D. No, wait. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Chris. Let's finish Horner for a second. Okay. Why doesn't he have a team yet? He's Chris Horner. Come on. You know, I think once you win the Vuelta, you kind of become a uh, um, someone that just doesn't deserve a team, like JJ Kobo. Like you know, you've kind of reached your pinnacle, and they're just like, all right, at this point, you're done. Tim, I'm gonna fly down to Florida and punch you. Don't insult the buffalo. <laughs> Two, uh, Spencer, you. I think you tweeted to me the other day that uh, was it you that or Tim? One of the two of you tweeted that that uh, Revelin re upped his contract. That wasn't me. Tim, did you send me that? I guess. Yeah, he re upped with Triple C Pulset. Oh, see, why can't they just do me a solid and sign Horner so that I get all my old man? <laughs> All my old man power watching in one place. So I don't have to go, I don't have to like watch two feeds to watch all my old man cyclists. I can just watch it all in one sitting. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be very nice. I think that the key is 
is to have, um, you know, Rebelin as your team leader. And then if they could have Horner as like your kind of like your lieutenant, like your George Hincapie, you could have one heck of a good team there to, to watch of, of full superstars. I like this idea, little guy. It does have some legs. But can we get to the story of Tom Danielson and the uh. evil internet rumor that his ex-wife sabotaged his sample and is now like being investigated by the FBI? Oh, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of great stuff happening in the world of cycling. And USADA <laughs> has, has um, confirmed that the B sample was tested within five days of the A sample and came back positive. Wait, five days, but they still haven't released the B sample. No, they, they, they released it, but they said it's not, like, since yeah, he hasn't, it hasn't, like, uh, like they, it has to go to a final committee that then votes, like, okay, this guy did dope, like, here's the A and the B sample that are positive, and he can appeal it, but he can also yeah. sign, like, his... Like he can accept the provisional suspension, which he did. In he August. accepted the provisional. He accepted the provisional okay. in August, but it still allows him to like fight for it. But if he loses, it goes back to when he like stopped competing. In so August. what? Well, yeah, this is a downright like soap opera esque. You like you can't make stuff like this up. And oh. if you want to add so- another layer, I think the uh, the <laughs> statement from Vodders is amazing have you What's did you that? guys see this no. no okay here's a here's a quote uh i don't know if i pulled this from vela news or where but uh it says uh <clears throat> the official the amount of official information that i have is very small Vader said i was never officially informed by usada that he tested positive i haven't been informed by the uci either i have no idea where the b sample is or isn't not a clue I don't know if Tom is taking the case to arbitration. From an official standpoint, the only thing I know is that on August 3rd, Tom Danielson tweeted that he'd tested positive for synthetic testosterone. This is, it's straight out of the, the soap opera digest that we, um, that is right next to the Archie's comic in the checkout lane of the, uh, the grocery store. Because How is that all he knows? Well, how's how that, that all he knows? And then... How about the he fact that Levi, we know. <laughs> Levi Leipheimer was his coach? I didn't yeah. know that. That's weird. That's yeah. awesome. That's a sweet little nugget. <laughs> how? How? So here's that I'm thinking is that one. This is terrible, but this is kind of what every every doping case is like. Is full of a whole bunch of like what the fucks. Like how? Why can't? There's a protocol. How come there's never anything normal that happens with these doping tests? Like, no one ever just tests, gets tested once, and then they say, I didn't do it, and then they test them again, and they say, you did do it, and then they get sanctioned. Instead, there's always this, yeah. like, this complete insanity. Like, no, it's, it's this the is the dangerous system, case. Okay. What do you think's <laughs> happening? What do you think's happening with uh, Luca Polini's right now? I mean, Who knows? That's got to be, that's got to be has some crazy Italian intrigue that we can't even be part of because we don't speak any of the romance languages. Hey, do you remember, uh, um, well, there's the, the AG2R guy that finally got, uh, sanctioned, right? Well, after his, uh, positive test. That's true. That finally happened. But, you know, talking about these languages and the romance languages, do you remember, uh, when Tyler Hamilton and there was like the big bust on the Operation Puerto scandal and it was, um, Really, 
the bust was first broken by a magazine in Spain. I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember me getting the copy of this magazine from Spain? Like I had a buddy living oh, yeah. in Spain. No. And he's, yeah. he called me and he's like – or he texted me or uh, – sorry, emailed. And he's like, hey, super rookie. Um, I felt really awkward buying this magazine and now mailing it to you in the, <laughs> the post. And I was like, why? And he's like, oh, you'll see when you get there. So, of course, I like get the mail and it's uh, it's basically the Playboy of Spain – that has like a bunch of pictures of blood bags and Tyler Hamilton and all these other ones, and then like a bunch of naked women. It was really awkward and strange when my wife comes home, a girlfriend at the time, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "Tyler, look at Tyler's blood bags, like Operation Porto, like that whole thing." Because that was the time when Tyler was already busted, but he was maybe coming back, and they still found his blood in the fridge at the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was really strange, but I still have those magazines. So uh, collectors' items. You still read it for the articles, right? <laughs> it's how I'm learning how to speak Spanish. Yeah, gotta um, keep learning. So, so, so wait, do, we, do either of you know anything more about the the Danielson wife tainting the sample rumor? Because I just heard that as a rumor, but I've never heard any like like how would she have done this? What what proof is there? Well, uh, she, put, uh, she put EPO in his blood bags that were in the fridge. The, the, the article talks about two things. For years. It's, it <laughs> says that the FBI will not confirm or deny any active investigation unless there's a crime scene involved. So the FBI isn't saying anything. They're mum. Which means but, they're doing something. Which then also leads to Tom Danielson's whole thing about, like, He's tweeting and Strava commenting all over about how the truth will come out. Or maybe he's not tweeting, but he's definitely all over Strava about how the truth will come out and people will be eating their words. Which leads me to believe that there is some viable like reason that he believes that he's going to get off on this. Every single doper that's ever doped yeah. has a, a super viable reason why he's going to get off. And almost none of them ever have. Um, so then this gets to the uh, the next thing, is that Vodders told Danielson before he tweeted this whole incident um, that he was no longer had a contract with Cannondale Garmin. That one's kind of like just kind of secretly out there. Like, he's out of contract at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's obviously not getting any new contract off. So can we maybe roll this? Get, maybe you can sign with Airgas. Can we roll... <laughs> Can we roll this entire conversation into like the bombshell that was dropped today by WADA and Dick Pound oh, into the um, Russian Federation where systematic doping all the way up to what was once the KGB, um, I mean, it's – they recommended – WADA recommended that the International Athletics um, Federation, which is track and field, ban the Russian athletes from competing. Like there's that much – doping going on within that organization and if you look at the numbers they've had something like 17 positives out of uh, cycling in the last like eight years which is abnormal compared to the rest of the world Hmm. and the doctor that runs the moscow drug testing lab which is where all the sochi winter olympics was tested was like caught taking bribes and destroying samples like i mean this is this is high level Government, they're equating it to the East German um, program back in the 80s. I am not surprised. <laughs> I mean, wow. This is some next level stuff. And now I you've trust. got 
to uh So I don't understand why uh why Katusha hasn't been able to win a grand tour then. What's going on? <laughs> Well, you well, know, is it they just only dope the Russians? That's what I'm wondering. Is it only the Russians that are getting doped? I mean, we want to throw accusations around. Was it uh, their Russian rider Trofimov or whatever? He had a really good Giro. Yeah, really good Giro. Uh, well, we do is... want to throw accusations around. If we if we do anything here, we want to throw. Well, the next level yeah. is: was this program going on when Menchov was uh, was probably getting I mean, fourth it's... place and failing up the mountains? Well, he got Flailing. he got banned. He got banned. So I mean, he he, he probably. Got I know, so but I, like, then were their doctors just court. not very good? Well, but look, it's like you remember reading Tyler's book, Timmy. It's all about if you're really doping at that high level, it's about where you start. You know, you have to start with a nice low hemocrit. You got to be good, but have like only a forty hemocrit naturally, so you can bump it all the way up. If you're maybe Minkoff was already a 48, they had nowhere to go. He was already a race car. Yeah. Okay. That's Remember Ty- Tyler was like I, you know, he was a, he was an economy car. He was like I don't know, like a Nissan Versa or something. And so you got to put a lot of have EPO. to bring up a Nissan Versa into this. You got to put a lot of EPO in that to maybe make it like I don't know, like a Vanagon or something. Uh huh. Where it breaks down a lot, like Minkoff. <laughs> Here and there. Here and there. Anyway, do you guys I'd rather think... break down in a classy Mankoff than you know just spend all my time in like a Simon Garens or something? I mean, there is rumor that they might ban the <laughs> I Russian. Don't even know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Sorry. There's a rumor that they might ban the entire Russian <laughs> athletic team from Rio next year. Yeah, and that's just ban everybody from the Olympics altogether. Like, just give up. Well. The way it's been going with Rio, they might just have to call the whole thing off. No. <laughs> That's a yeah, separate... Let's get your shit together. Yeah. We'll meet again in another four years. Um, I would... I don't know. I don't even know what to say about Russia anymore. Pretty much every day, I just sort of shake my head and say, Russia, come on. Yeah. Well, you're in Minnesota. You should be able to see them from there, right? I can't. <laughs> Pretty far up north. I'm waving at them across the border. Um, so over the... Over the last few weeks, guys, we did get um, a couple of emails that I do want to get into. Uh, um, we actually got two from Kevin Dolan up in the uh, D.C. area. And the, the first one was just talking about um, ranking points because remember how we were talking about upgrades and all of that? And he was oh, yeah. like, uh, how do you guys feel about the difference between USA ranking and like cross-results ranking? And do the, the points correspond to the category? Meaning, like, if you're in the 200, should you just therefore be a cat too? And then that's where your natural upgrade is. You know, like, once you get up to that 200 level, like in skiing, then you would just be racing against other 200 level racers. So you're yeah. kind of like almost promotion relegation on, and then it becomes a natural, like, hey, what's your ranking points? Oh, well, you're ranked at 239 points, then you're racing with all other 200s. Yeah. I can that see would make that. Sense. But what if, well, well, Wait, so how would my ranking points work? So say I don't race so for a two. Yeah. Am I suddenly a cat three? Like, that doesn't make any sense. If you don't race for what? A couple of weeks? Like a or couple or... weeks. I don't race for a couple, but if I don't race it's, for a couple weeks. I think it's, I think the, it's, average it's the average of, of your, your top last, five, right? Yeah, your, last, your best five races or whatever out of your last year of competition. Now, oh, okay. Clearly, this, you know, we can't get into the math without um, Colin from crossresults.org um, to let us know 
exactly it's, how it all it's, works? It's cyclocrossresults.org. Oh, okay. Ooh, I don't want to know where crossresults.org takes us. Um, oh, it's a dirty, dirty site. The, uh, you know, it makes sense. I think that the rankings, like every year they do a contest uh, um, between who would have uh, more top tens correct at nationals. I think the issue is that cross results seems to do a better grasp of taking in like worldwide riders, whereas USA Cycling results, um, you know, do not take into account, you know, racers from Canada or racers from Europe. So we do get that crossover when uh, Jeremy Powers comes back from Europe. It kind of starts to pollinate the results on cross results, um, and you start to see a little bit better uh, accuracy there. And also, you have a, a, a bigger uh, swath of data. On cross well, results, uh, I think the big help would be you wouldn't have people like me who are like grandfathered into a cat two position that does not deserve to be there anymore and can't really hang in that field. Yeah. Um, but I'm not gonna downgrade anytime soon. Just why would I? I can just race masters or whatever. You know, like I can race single speed. Um, you know, and if the system was built on a constantly fluctuating, uh, you know, scale of where your points were, then you're just like, oh. Now I'm racing in the 300 group, and I now I'm embarrassed, so I want to train more and race with the 200 group or whatever, you know? Did so you know. To inspire, it would inspire more people. Yeah, and then, they, uh, USA then there's not some guy that you have to yell at to beg to upgrade you or uh, be like, you're a dick, you didn't upgrade me, I have the points, and they have to argue about whether or not they have the points or whatever and, you know, cut out a lot of What's- BS. Well, and that's what the, you know, Kevin's second email gets to. And it was exactly what we were talking about last time was like this whole ranking snafu. I mean, we were joking about how you were trying to email the technical director at USA Cycling um, Mm -hmm. about these upgrades. And we know people are trying to upgrade, you know, hey, I'm a 55 plus rider. And the first three or four guys are usually cat one twos. So I get fifth. I get one point to upgrade if we have 21 starters. So he's trying to upgrade from, you know four to three or even three to two, it's almost impossible because they're not um they're not differentiating between who's already a one two. Like those points are just getting gobbled up by guys that don't need them. Yeah. And it's like that's a classic problem. And I know that a lot of women have that issue where they're trying to upgrade because they're doing combined three four races and of course the cat threes are going to be near the top of the podium all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I want to say uh that technical director never did get back to me. Um uh, really but he's uh, he's out of his job. Uh, they're replacing him uh, starting uh, on the 16th. Uh, got a new guy stepping up, um, <laughs> promoting uh, him from the National Technical Commission uh, to the top role. Uh, I did, though, email somebody else, a friend of the pod on uh, who is on, who sits on that technical commission, and he got back to me right away with some answers. So um, nice. not everybody at USA Cycling is a total, uh, you know, it's a new It's a new era. Over at USA Cycling. I really believe this. I think that there's some good things that are starting to happen. Um, as, a, as a racer myself, it was a little disappointing to see uh, newbies coming out to the cross race I promoted uh, with some friends two weeks ago. Uh, having to pay $15 for a one-day license. That was a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, we did it at a $20 entry fee with a $15 one-day. So people still got away at a decent clip. But... Man, $15 for a one-day? That's a lot that's, of money. That's a lot of money. How do they justify that? I just don't understand. Like, what? 
Well, I they think that they're, they're trying that? to get people to um, that like once you do a one day, like you can apply that fifteen dollars to your annual license because they do a better job of keeping track of names or whatever. But I think the idea is that you do enough one days, you're just gonna go buy the license anyway. Like well, that so was what's an annual cost forty five bucks. So it's like three races. That's like seventy, isn't it's it? Seventy now. Seventy. Yeah, it's seventy, and then if you want to like combine it with a mountain bike license, it's another twenty. Wait, why do you have to pay more to combine it? <laughs> That's with a how mountain. bored I am with uh, talking about USA Cycling's one day license after why I had to answer cost, so yeah. many questions. Why does it cost more money to add mountain bike? All they have to do is just write MTB behind the races. <laughs> like, well, I think that, that I has to. I think it had to at one time, and we could be a little bit wrong because I know we're, we can be dated in our conversation, but. It has to go back to like when Norbo was still around, so it's just kind of been a legacy thing where there's different funding. Because when you pull a USA Cycling license and you pay your seventy dollars, something like ten to fifteen bucks of that goes back directly into your local association. So Florida <laughs> gets some, <laughs> and then that's where they're supposed to like you know buy championship jerseys or do promotion or whatever. Um, in Florida, they bought a timing system and then. There was like kind of a bunch of issues with the timing system on who got to use it and all of that. So it kind of – your license fee goes to administrative costs in Colorado Springs, salaries, and then also to your local association, which is entrusted with growing the sport in your state. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't explain to me why I have to spend 20 more dollars if I want to have a mountain bike. <laughs> well, because the mountain bike uh, – okay, sorry. The mountain bike money, that $20, does not go back to local association because your USA Cycling local association only covers road, cross, and track. Yeah. Wait, so why would I even want to have a mountain bike license? Because I can do a mountain bike race right now. <laughs> like, why? I don't even we're, understand We're not why the I'm enemy. Confused. No, I know. I know. I'm just confused. I'm like, I'm really confused. Like, why would I, like, why would I pay you? Uh, because... Much like uh, cycle, you're 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 arguing here like an uh, an Obra point of view towards USA Cycling <laughs> Cyclocross. You know, like our shit works fine, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, but if you want to race the UCI race, or if you want to go to nationals, or if you want to like get points towards whatever goal there is in 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 mountain bike, then you got to play, you know, by the rules. So there are, uh, you know, we had a UCI mountain bike race out here in Boston. Uh, this summer that required you to have a US, USAC license. And, you know, I'm sure that was uh, some points for something bigger and grander starting position in nationals or whatever. So, I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, let's, before we get into like the actual big cross things that are happening in, in other events, you know, promoting this race with friends last week, I got completely lambasted um, by racers. And this is the, largest cyclocross race in florida and to put it all in perspective and it's something i'm proud of for what we're able to accomplish at just this little flat park but to put it in perspective i mean we get 120 racers i mean that that's that's the biggest cross race outside of states in florida so people can laugh all they want but there are some diehard folks here that are trying to grow the sport right i mean so people show up for this race and then it's a single speed race with 30 people and the results got a little crazy because people were wearing costumes you know we cheaped out and got the racer id number the road id numbers for free ah that's Um, terrible i know uh (laughs) but the thing is is that people were like well this is ridiculous like you know we're like well we only had one official and we're only charging you 20 bucks so you can go to the race that you promote yourself for 40 dollars 
And, you know, you can hire chip timing, but that's not something that we're going to do myself. Like, I'm trying to keep it cheap and fun. I can get you the top nine racers. And then if we're patient, then I can find you your results for your riders that want points to go to nationals. But, I mean, sorry. Did you, <laughs> did you have, like, a Batman and a Superman, like, arguing with you about how they needed their points to go to nationals? <laughs> no, I wish. 13th and who finished 15th? I will say that my costume... With Keith Richards of uh, Swift, uh, was probably one of the best cyclocross costumes that's been. Oh, yeah, out in this a while. is this has been uh, you know this was a big controversy or a big uh, part of the last few episodes what it was going to yeah. be. So uh, why don't you? I know it's been on Twitter, but it's on Twitter. Yeah, you can maybe find some it on people the, don't follow you. You can find you it at the Slow Ride deal. Pod. We had it at the Slow Ride Pod. Uh, Keith went home and. Uh, Took some cardboard, cut it up, and made some red shoulder pads with spikes, and we went as the Legion of Doom uh, from 1980s, early 90s, WrestleMania, I would, um, or the Road Warriors, same same team, just different uh, promotions. So I went as Road Warrior Hawk, and he went as Road Warrior Animal. It was great. Now, I, I thought you expressed so we did a tag team. didn't want to have cardboard. Well, but this you card... Didn't boxes. I didn't want boxes. I didn't want to go as a milk carton. <laughs> okay. See, I, I was Hawk thinking animal is pretty good. Although and going a as Minnesota a Minnesota connection there, Tim. I know, and going as a milk carton could be really funny because you could like you could go as a milk carton, and then you're missing like the little kid that's missing could be like the face of your rival, like your uh, like I would put Spencer on there and be like, "Where's Spencer? Skills unknown." You know, like oh. that could be some really good heckling, but then you're in a milk carton, so it wouldn't really work. I don't have very many donations to my GoFundMe to get me to Florida uh, to beat you in a cyclocross race, but uh, that's still up. So if people do want to donate to to that fund to get me down there, uh, you know, we are accepting those donations. So out of I, I want to put this all in perspective, though. So we charged twenty dollars. We got a free venue. It was twenty five dollars um, if you uh, pre registered online. Thirty dollars day of. So most people paid twenty five to start. I had a couple of people actually mail in their entries that I had to that were like, "Wait, where's the <laughs> mailing address?" And I was like, "Oh God, we forgot about this." Like, I was re- we were really trying to do like under promise over deliver, um, and really set expectations low. Like we did not even <laughs> buy course tape until the day before. So we uh, that's so we did not save money there. Um, with one hundred and twenty riders, it cost us, and we got a free venue. $200 for the official. I mean, we still walked out of there with about a grand. And we're going to take out the volunteers to, like, you know, that help set up the course. But I don't mm-hmm. understand why, like, you need to pay $40 for a cross race. Like, there's serious there's serious money that can be made working at a cross race. Like, if you have your act somewhat together. Yeah, well... And you don't pay for, yeah. like, a third official to get the results accurate. Yeah, because... <laughs> Most people have to have more officials. I did a race this last weekend, and they had lights. I'm sure those were really expensive. Yeah. Uh, it still sucked, and I couldn't see a damn thing, but they had lights. So. Yeah, I mean, it's all, I, I it's mean, all what you I've, want out of it. Yeah, I've been a USA Cycling official for many cross races, and we've never had less than four. And uh, really? I, I don't know how we could do it with less than four, because well, when you get a field that's a decent size, it's, it's a handful. Well, that's the thing, right? Like the classic – so the number one complaint I was getting from people was how could these guys not even score, right? Like they were mad at the official and it was like, well, first off, 
we cheaped out and got the cheapest possible numbers. They were free and they're totally against the rules in USA Cycling. So the official let us get by with that, right? And then secondly, like one guy trying to write down the numbers of people that are coming by that have their numbers placed inaccurately, (laughs) upside down, folded for arrowness. Like people think that you can look at the racer and go like, oh, there's Steve, Ryan, and Josh in the front three. And then here comes Matt in fourth. They're like they're just looking at like oh it's very obvious to tell you who the top four are. Where to the official, all the official knows is your number, and they don't know that there's a gap between third and fourth because they're yeah. just like oh well everyone's just coming by at once and they're writing it down. That when the race is over, they're going through, and if they miss a number just once, then they kind of assume that oh maybe he was lapped. Like oh here mm-hmm. he is four laps later. 10 places back, he must have been lapped because I don't have him on a number anywhere else. And people don't understand that. So complainers need to actually be the ones that score a race, I think, like at least once God. just to see what happens. That is true. You know, it's like every day on my commute, like I see some drivers like frustrated or at me doing things on my bike. And I'm like, you just try and ride a bike and follow every rule just once and you will see like why I'm splitting these lanes and going down the middle and passing you and whatever. And, um, it's kind of the same thing with officials. Like you can't get mad at them until you've done it once. And you're like, Oh God, this sucks. It's it's a completely different way of thinking. And then the best part is of course, if you become an official, you're going to really love it when someone comes up to ask you in the middle of scoring what their place was. Oh, yeah. And you politely, as politely as possible, say, I'm sorry, I'm working on it right now. I'm going to get back to you. But you're still going to sound like a grouchy person. Now, yeah. does that mean that there's officials that are totally bad at their job? Absolutely. I thought we had a really good official at our job that did everything that I asked for. Um, and we paid him a fair price for his work. And he probably wishes that he had a little bit extra help to accurately score everything. But he still did a good job. But some people just don't understand the importance of of having that kind of thing. So maybe next year I would hire another official, but also <laughs> to cut the bottom line, I'd probably just get better numbers. Yeah. That would it it's shocking how much of a difference that makes. Yeah. So guys, I think that uh let's let's cut that there and let's take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about all types of new things that are happening in the world of cycling. I am Jake Wells. Listen to Slow Ride Podcast. And we're back. So, guys, real quick, before we get Psychocross, I do want to mention. I don't know if you noticed on a Friday, late Friday press release, USA Cycling announced the demise of the National Criterium calendar, and it is being morphed back into the National Racing calendar for 24 events spanning the entire season, um, of which now you have races that kind of are all connected. Whereas last year, remember, the NRC for women ended in June, and then there was one event at the very end of September for the men where now it seems like that the months of July and August are at least connected with some crit racing. So do you want to talk at all about that? I want to talk about 
how the NRC was terrible and the NCC seemed like it was working really well and how they killed the good one to try and make the bad one better and how that seems like a really backwards idea. Was the NCC working well? Uh, I mean, I think the events were popular, the prize lists were big, and all the best teams went to them. I mean, that, I, I guess there's just some canceled races down here in Florida, so it didn't... And I know that's not the calendar's fault, but it seemed that I it mean, was... I mean, there were some canceled races in Minnesota, too, <laughs> that were NRC. Yeah, I know. I just think that... Yeah, true. I just think that the uh, having a national racing calendar, I think in the U.S. it's very unique, the way we have Criterium Racing, that it's pretty cool to have a bunch of uh, top-level teams at all the top races. That's what I would hope for. And at 24 races is not the 40 that it once was. I mean, 24 seems fairly doable. Yeah, so, so from 40 races, guys, it's now from 40 races down to 24. Um, Ooh, it's still too many. Which- some team directors are complaining is a lot of races that they can't afford to go to. So, you know, not everybody's happy with this. Well, wait, so they want less races. They want less. Well, you know, the NRC was whatever it was, six or eight or ten races or something. That seems um, like too few. It was because there's it. it <sighs> they don't know what they're doing, basically. <laughs> like. They're well, trying yeah. to cater to these Grand Tour-style races and teams, these one-week tours, and build teams around that because, I mean, that's what cycling is, I guess. But it is and it isn't because in the U.S., we like our crits, and there's whole teams built around that. And now teams have to be built around both again to be competitive in this calendar, and I don't think anybody is. Well, what's wrong with that? I think having a well-rounded team should be... I don't know. I don't know. I guess for me, it feels like a well having a well a more well rounded team that can kind of do both kind of events is the mark of a better. Oh yeah, a better I, mean, team. I, agree. And I think there's enough. I think there's enough riders. I think part of. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but it, it seems like at, if you're the if you're USA Cycling or whatever, you're setting up this national series. It's very easy for the United States to just revert to wanting to just do crits in a way. It's easier to do. We end up with that. We can't. We can't have no riders to like promote to the world tour stage. You know, we end up with only crit racers here that can't go race in Europe. We don't need to promote riders to the world tour stage, though. I mean, we have riders like TVG. We have Talansky that have already made the gap. So I think that. But I. I don't know. I don't want to break this to you, Tim. But um, they are mortal. They. They will die. Yeah, but there'll be others that will. I mean. This is the classic argument, though, that, like, look at how World Cycling Productions, when they were running their um, DVD empire that we all sat on trainers watching, remember, they were all about Lance, all about Lance, all about Lance, and then all of a sudden there was a vacuum when Lance retired that first time, when they could have been promoting Lance and all of the Americans that were coming up, namely Floyd, Tyler, um, Levi, and they never really mentioned them, and it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, Wait, so what is your point? I'm saying they should promote... The younger stage racers, so that the ones that we currently have that suck and are boring can be replaced by more interesting ones. But you these say? guys are young. I still think that they might have some potential, like Talansky and TVG. No, I know, but I, it doesn't. I, but it doesn't mean that like we should have like a national series that doesn't in any way make it possible for some like other young climber to like make a name for themselves. I'm not saying that they need to get rid of like all stage racing in the U.S. I'm just saying why are you cannibalizing a calendar that seems to work pretty well? 
already and is totally built on it's its own thing you know they got these college town twilight crit series you know thing going on yeah um, what? that like i don't know it seems to be working and teams can focus on it smaller teams like they don't need as big a budget i i think the problem is that you know yeah a well-rounded team would be ideal that you can send split squads to everywhere you need to go but I yeah, don't think sponsorship awesome. dollars is there anymore. You know, well, like, it's, it's probably not. I mean, I think that the main thing that they've got to do though is that the NRC is the the one with history because it's always been around. As far as we've been fans of cycling, it's always been around. Um, I just think that that's the one that they were like, "Hey, this is dying. It really only has eight races on it or nine races. Let's just combine it with the NCC and make it the national racing calendar again because we're cannibalizing all of our races already." But I mean, I I mean, you guys make good points. I I still think that a top American stage racer can still be promoted onto the next level. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I think a top level American stage race hopeful is not going to be racing crits anyway. They're going to go straight to Europe and did, race uh, over there. Like, did you see the uh, see the story maybe. about uh, Ten Dam saying that he was going to come to America and do a lot of crit racing this coming year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, we, but he didn't. He ended up not signing. You know, I mean, he was kind of trying to get with an American team. He, yeah, he was. He ended up signing with uh, Giant, and makes part of his sense. part of his contract says that he can live here and race for them and do a lot of crits. All right. So looking at Ten Dam, but do the tour still? So looking at Ten Dam, right? Yeah. He's where? What city would you put him in? Like, where does where do you think he would most fit? I mean, think of well, that. If you follow him on Twitter, he's on the West Coast right now. He seems to be hanging out near Santa Cruz. So Santa Cruz, he doesn't strike me as a California guy. I would, I would put him straight like in the middle of Portland. Like he's hanging out at the cop well, shop. Well, he, he might be heading his way up the coast right now. He was like tweet. He was like tweeting about going to a cross race the other day and stuff. Here Which, how how so, awesome would that be if Lawrence Tendam just shows up to your cross race? Off season, probably. You know, not he's not in flying form. He's just there to have fun. You get to get beat by Lawrence Tendam. That sounds great. I'm I'm thinking, you know, he's kind of a tenacious dude. He can take a beating, and he and he keeps coming back for more. And he doesn't uh, doesn't mind hard work. I'm thinking he's he's a Rust Belt kind of guy. Oh, uh, so like a like a real Pittsburgh kind of guy, or I'm the, I'm thinking maybe a little dirtier than that. Like I'm Sandusky. He Allentown? might be a Cleveland sort of guy. Oh, he'd be perfect for Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he spends. He seems to spend a lot of time living out of a van. I think that's I'm why thinking, he's, yeah, he's going to live in a van. He's going to, you know, frequent the local dive bar. Uh, he's going to kind of be a people's hero around there. Ah. People are going to talk about him, but not really know his story. And uh, you know, he's just going to kind of become an urban legend. He's just uh, he, then Cleveland's too big of a city for him. Then he really needs to go to like a Youngstown or something like. Like wow. a real industrial city. I was initially thinking Buffalo, New York. But, uh, but you wouldn't want to wish that on anybody. <laughs> Buffalo is rough. We, you I think we have any listeners? I don't yeah. think we have any listeners from Buffalo, but we have listeners from their parent city of Toronto. A lot of them listen, and I'm sure <laughs> they just hate parents. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo is just kind of that little like, uh, you, you stay over there. Yeah. You sleep like, under oh, the stairs. You got to you gotta go, you gotta go through that <laughs> to get to the rest of the United States. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought he would be a good fit for a hockey town, you know, like, but that. Yeah. Wait, 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 time out. Cleveland is a hockey town? No, no, that's why I was thinking Buffalo. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I, I, you know. Does Cleveland have a hockey team? 
They used no. to have a minor league team. Um, they don't have a team, really. I'm, they seem like they would be a hockey town. Well, I think they, I mean, they had a minor league team, and, like, the logo of the guy was, like, a, he had a monocle. Like, he was, oh, the Cleveland Barons. Yeah. And that name just didn't fit. They were like, wait, do we have any, we have any Barons here? No. no so, barons. guys, let's get into the real thing. The real deal. Besides Cyclocross? 10 Dam coming to Cyclocross. Okay. So the biggest news, the biggest news in Cyclocross, we're yeah. here to cover it. Yep. Corgi Gate. Corgi Gate. Tell me more. I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, I only heard I heard a I know a Corgi is a dog. Brief thing. Corgi is a dog. You're okay. on the right track. Is it so, a, the Queen's dog, isn't it? The Queen. It was, isn't it the kind of dogs that the Queen Queen Mum has? Oh, I have no idea. Is the Queen Mum even alive still? Yes. Oh man. She's uh, still well, alive. We just anyway. alienated all our UK listeners. Uh, I don't know if the Queen Mum is still alive. She's alive and she has corgis. I'm sorry, Spencer. We're, we're American. We apologize. Um, so Louisville, uh, had their Derby cup, uh, this past weekend. Um, we've all been there before for the USGP and for worlds in Louisville, obviously, uh, same great venue. Um, but, uh, during the race, during the men's pro race, uh, at some point a Corgi got loose from their owner and, uh, did a good part of the lap along with the leaders of the race. On the Wait, course. It, it hung with the leaders? It hung like, with powers. With powers <laughs> and, and, and hide and stuff? Yep, yep. Trayvon yeah. was tweeting about it. Uh, there's some good photos floating around on Facebook and stuff of the dog uh, and, the, and the pack of four leaders uh, cruising along through the, through the course. It's pretty amazing. And um, That's a long course. Yeah, and that was not the end. They did, uh, the Corgi eventually got, got uh, off the course, but um, the Corgi made a return to the podium uh, where Stephen Hyde held the corgi on the top step. Nice. That's really cool. Corgi. Podium corgi. So Podium did corgi. It, did it in any way affect the race? Like, did Hyde, no. did Hyde use the corgi as, as, <laughs> well, a, well, as like, a, like, like Hyde attacked in the corgi, like the corgi let the pace drop a little bit, and Powers <laughs> was like, come on, come on, pull through. And then the corgi, like, flicked one of its arms and jumped off the course, and Powers was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Possibly. So, Corgi could have let the gap open, yeah. So Corgi Gate, did it have a number? <laughs> I don't know. If it did, it's it was well, probably it, one of those race numbers. It uh, probably had a chip. Three ones that was too small. <laughs> I mean, it probably had a chip, so they probably got a time on that lap when it Couldn't came across. Hey, um, guys, I just Googled Queen Mum, and it said the Queen Mum died in 2002. <laughs> no, the whoever, whoever the Queen is. maybe That's just Queen be- Elizabeth. Yeah, who's the Queen Mum? She's the that was like just, Queen Elizabeth's. Uh, her mom? Like, oh, I'm just was like her mom Queen because mom her like... her dad died. That was a king. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm using my uh, my British royalty terminology wrong. The Queen's That's alive. A, okay. Again, so hey, this Corgi like Gate. Apologize to all of our UK <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's okay. None of them listen anymore. So Corgi Gate. Um, <laughs> you know that couples with. The second part of Kevin's email from earlier, he was talking about are podium pets okay yeah. because a few of them have been showing up at DC cross races. Mm-hmm. Um, are, is it okay? Like, you know, first off, podium bikes, we've all come to an agreement that they're horrible and they should all die in a fire. Yes. Um, and then the next, the next one was the outside arms up on the podium. So if you get on the podium outside arms up, you don't want to be the person that's got both arms up and you got third place. That's yeah, only the winner so guys, gets to put both you guys arms know, up. I, I, I got on a podium and I did it right. 
Just the outside arm. We didn't see a picture. There's yeah. a picture. Um, the <laughs> the reason I didn't put my other arm up uh, wasn't you're holding because, the bucket. Well, no, it wasn't because I didn't really think of it. I had uh, like a third of a sandwich in my hand, and I put it behind my back so it looked a little classier. <laughs> that's that's so good. The pro other tip right thing, there, hide your sandwich. A lot of people are are getting up uh, frustrated with is podium helmets. So yeah, that's, that's wearing the helmet up on the podium. Which I think is probably the more forgivable one because, oh, yeah. like, you know, you maybe you just got done with a race and then you just kind of run up there and you're like – and you just don't think about that you're wearing a helmet because you kind of get used to it. I, I feel like if I was in charge of cyclocross upgrades or road upgrades and I was reviewing your results and was like, okay, yeah, a couple of podiums, all right, you're looking good. And then I flipped open a photo and you had your helmet on on the podium, I'd be like, nope, denied. So you, are you, you saying are not at that level yet? I, this this idea has likes. So rather than send us results for upgrades, you should send us just pictures of the podium, and then we can and then we can judge. Doctorable. That's not doctorable. You get your buddies <laughs> together, you put on a different couple of different kits, and you and you stand at a bunch of different podiums. You make some like some, you know, some quick like construction paper signs that say like Supercross 2015. <laughs> You if you're willing place, to do that, like, I might do that. But that's 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 worth some points right there. That's almost the same as the ten mass starts upgrade from five to four on the road. I mean, you know, you're putting that yeah. much time into changing kits, creating different backgrounds for the podium. I mean, you're, you're going to have to move the podiums to different viewpoints. Like, you can't have it in front of the same tree the whole time. That's so, true. Spencer, this is a good idea. Like, you send in pictures to us, and we should be able to tell from the podium. What mm-hmm. category you should be. So, you know, you get both arms up and you're in third place. Eh, probably not. You got a couple of these weird fifth place podiums where you're kind of like, I don't know why they're there. Or you are got fourth place and you have a bike in front of you. Definitely downgradable and you're not getting the upgrade. I, if, I if like this idea. Yeah, and if you're unfortunate enough to have uh, won the race or, or placed third or something and second place doesn't show up, that's going to reflect poorly on you as well, not just them. You know, like that's part of your responsibility uh, to, you know, keep that person around the general finish line area uh, to get to the podium. Um, but yeah, no helmets, no bikes, get some podium. I don't care about podium shoes so much. Like if you have, if you have your cycling shoes on, that's fine. Um, but you know, clean kit. If it's muddy, go get a clean jersey and put it on. Like you um, need to have your sponsored sneakers on. For the podium well, you saying? know if you got them handy that'd be good but you know i'm not gonna dock you for uh cycling shoes that's okay what if someone goes up there with uh birkenstocks but with socks on that's a fucking automatic upgrade <laughs> what i say that's like you've you've obviously made it to the level of one you're pretty fast and two you don't give a shit you, you don't care you're just like whatever that that's an automatic upgrade because you're probably making your own energy bars uh, again, you again? probably like you probably have some like weird system for carrying your tube that no one's even thought of. Yeah. Like it's in some sort of strange jar taped to your top tube or something. You guys remember that picture of Oscar Frere when he had his his frame pump like duct taped to his Colnago? Did you ever see that picture? Oh, yeah. yeah, like World Champions kit duct taped to the Colnago. Probably had Birkenstocks on while he's riding. Probably like oh, I lost my cycling shoes. Probably what drove I- a Volvo to the probably line. drove a Volvo. I'm just saying it's or like. Frere hit so, such a level of I don't give a fuck that he could have done anything. Right. He was just so, like, so, man, 
So me and Tim have, have got our own system for upgrades here. And little guy is, again, going the Obra route of uh, just, you know, got his own rules, a little different than everybody else. Seems <laughs> fine, but it's not really going to get you anywhere good. <laughs> oh, no, just my system is, I'm going to patent my system. This is going to be all apart when I start my own training, like I'm start training people and becoming a coach. And it's nope. going to be like, put on these Birkenstocks. Your socks are too short. Pull them up. And nope. then, uh, wait, put them down. All right, we got to go. People actually listen to this podcast for a little bit of news and a little bit of excitement. And there was a lot of excitement at Corgi Gate um, yeah. and then also in Europe that must be discussed in the closing moments of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're running really long. Yeah, it's true. So, Mom, guys, true. the no, changing. The corgi, yeah, the, the corgi wasn't the only exciting part of Louisville. Yeah. Tim was just going to touch on it there, the changing the guard. Yeah. Uh, well, shoot, do is this a is this a seismic shift or just a one time blip? Because we had it; it happened in the it, U.S. and it happened in Europe at the same moment. At least for this year, the way well, things have been going. I, in I, the U.S., there's no it's, way it's a blip in the U.S. There's no way. It's a, well, it's a two time blip if it's a blip because it happened two days in a row. What's well, a blippity uh, blop then? <laughs> fair enough. So this well, blip, yeah. Here's the thing: once you lose, like so, when Jeremy Powers loses to Hyde. Stephen Hyde right now is sitting there going, I can beat this guy. So now every day, every race he shows up at that start line, he knows he can beat Powers. And that is probably the most powerful thing. It's better than having data that shows that you can have the same threshold. It is showing that you know that within you yourself you can get it done and that you cannot um, exchange that for anything. That self-confidence is so powerful. So right. wait, what – was the Corgi gate on Saturday? So did the Corgi assist him in the first win or the second win? Uh, Didn't Powers win the second day? No. No. No, Hyde oh, won wow. both days. Hyde won both and, days. Uh, yeah, Powers has not not won a C1 event in the U.S. in I don't know how long, but a long time. Has he uh, even lost a race in the U.S. in the last couple of years? <laughs> other than Vegas? I mean, I, I just feel like he he just... And I, you know it has to happen. I mean, there was there used to be a time when uh, Sven Nice used to win every single race, and it felt yeah. like it could never happen. And obviously, he's still the the best American. But well, yeah. he is, and I think that you know we can't discount what Powers is doing with his travel, and then also maybe this is not the time of year that he wants to be at full speed. I don't know. I, I mean, I know I'm playing devil's advocate here, but. You know, maybe this is the time where he's like, hey, you know what? Like, Katie Compton was saying that she was going to start slow, and now she's on complete fire. Yeah, um, that's true. So maybe Powers has the, the bigger plan here, and it is a little bit of a rea overreaction on all of our parts. But that's an exciting moment for Cyclocross where it is no mm -hmm. longer just the Jeremy Powers show with hopefully Tim Johnson and Trey Bond staying with him for a little while. I mean, we have a guy that seemingly has come out of nowhere. I mean, we obviously know who he is, but we have a guy that's beating him now. Um, mm -hmm. Which is yeah, huge. He's, he stepped it up in the last... I mean, he was up there last year and, and the year before, but he's definitely taken it up a level this year. I don't know. Indeed. That's cool. Indeed. What I mean, what do you guys think then about the opposite in Europe? I don't... I think it's a little different story being that Wout, Wout won what, like, Eight of the first nine races in Europe, basically. Oh, um, he's on at the highest level, and and he had one off weekend where what he finished like second and fourth or something. That's that's like a bad weekend for him. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty other, terrible. 
the other best riders in the world. And, you know, Vandahar had won one race previously this year. So Vandahar's won. So what? There's been like 12 um, big Euro races. Vandahar's won two. Wout's won eight. Uh, Cape Howe's won one. And I made up one. Do you you think though, like, like how long will he be racing cross before he moves on to another to road? I mean, that's like all of these guys that, I mean, remember Teo boss was tearing up the track and it was, you know, he was unstoppable on the track. Yeah. Now he's on the road and he's just kind of there. He's just Um, there. I know he's getting hurt every now and then, but he's winning like those second tier sprints. So, you know, how long does, uh, Vout stay in the uh, cross game before he goes over to road? I hope he stays. He's really exciting to watch. I mean, he's pretty dominant right now, but he's, you know, Vandahar's been close, and and uh, your boy Tim with the wacky dismount, Kapow has been right there all year. It was nice that he finally got a win. I just think it's, I don't know, he probably will yeah. go there in a year or two. But I mean, Vandahar's already kind of flirting with the road, unfortunately, and that seems to be the way it goes in cross. Is if I you do- win, they try to take you. I need to I need to cut you off a little bit there, little guy. I take it a little bit personally when you uh, say wacky dismount. The drive side <laughs> dismount is a fantastic feature that sets um, the one percenters that include me um, apart from the the sheep. And I don't know if you remember years ago when we were doing cross and learning, you guys were like Tim. You have to learn how to do it the other way. Like you cannot race like this. Like you guys were so mad, so <laughs> mad. And Spencer, do you remember this? Yeah, I remember training you to do it the other way. Um, and you, I it, don't remember being so mad, oh, but I remember but, saying, if you can do it this way, you're going to be so much better because you're going to have an extra arrow in the quiver. I think spent, uh, I think you're doing a little revisionist history because I know you <laughs> know where I'm taking this. So I just want to point out that the other day I got a mysterious package in the uh, mail to the house. And not only did it include a nice freelance sketch of a monorail it included <laughs> some sweet stickers of a cat doing a drive side dismount and it says the drive side dismount club um i proudly am a member and there's about three or four others here in florida that will be getting these stickers that i see out there racing um mm-hmm. and it's from alex carlson illustration and we'll put a picture up on the uh the old twitter so you guys can see it but i tell you uh drive side dismount we're not going anywhere, and we're winning the big races because Kevin Powell's, he's our leader. Mm. Yeah, Swike, uh, Lawrence Swike dismounts that way as well, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Pretty sure. So wait, I, this is the thing, I a problem I, I commonly have um, with Eurocross, watching Eurocross races is trying to know who who are brothers and who who just seem to have the same name. Like what? La- what last name is Smith and Johnson of, of Belgium? Yeah, exactly. Because if you watch those races, there's like seven Ventornots in every race. They can't all be related, can they? And there's two. There's two Swikes, right? There's like a Dieter. Those Swike. ones are brothers. And like, so those are brothers. Yeah. So now there's Klaus Ventornot, who 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 was a little injured earlier in the year, but he came through and he actually got a good result uh, this last yeah. week. So he's getting better. So the tallest man in cyclocross is getting better. He there's another Van Torn out out there. Yep. I think he rides for the yep. same team. Is he a brother? Michael? Yeah. Is I don't he know. related? Okay. Um we know we have two Vanderpoles. The yep. better of the two Vanderpoles is hurt, and the other Vanderpole, who's still really good, but obviously overshadowed by his <laughs> brother who destroyed everything last year. So that's actually brothers. Do we have any other? 
double. There has to be more. Like, there's probably. I'd have more. to look at. I'd have to look at a list. You're pulling this on me uh, out of the blue here, but I feel uh, like I feel like there's like at least seven Van Torn outs. <laughs> <laughs> and there's and so. there were there used to be two Wellens, right? Yeah, there used to be Bart, and then and all right. So this brings up another point. Did you guys see the pictures at the Super Prestige? Because Bart Wellens had his like last lap, and then he hung yeah. up. His- Batman, he went from pro bike racer to guy who hasn't ridden a bike in six months really quickly. He looked like an ex-bike racer, and he did not retire that long ago. Like he, he has worked hard at letting himself go. That's what he should do. He's earned it. Has he? He sucked for the last like seven years of his career. I mean, He's got world champ stripes. He can do whatever he wants. There were a few years, though, where I thought, like, man, what happened to Bart Wellens? Like, is he not training enough? But now I see that he was training. <laughs> yeah. He, he did the thing. He he got his world champ stripes, so he had his name out there forever. And he got he his got reality his, TV show. He got his yeah. one result a year. Like, he would kind of be, you know, top 10-ish, maybe, backside of that. And then one race towards the end of the year, he'd pull out a win and uh, get that contract renewed. He has like a race named after him too, though, for a while there, didn't he? I don't know. Wasn't there like well, a GP Bart Wellens? Probably. He did the other classic uh, Euro bike racer thing, which is that then he got a doping. He was coming toward the end, of the- <laughs> obviously. Anyway, doping accusation against him. Boom, retired. That's a Gone. that's a that's a good move, though, right? Oh, like that's the classic move. That's the classic move. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna. Retire. Oh, I was gonna uh, retire anyway. Well, he had those crazy heart issues. He did have hard things, didn't he? Yeah. Hey, we got a podcast review. This is D's Nuts. Josh Bauer writes, number one cycling pod I've ever listened to, and I've only ever listened to two. So that's saying something. (laughs) It's great. I can be extremely lazy by not having to search and read the internet to get up to date on all the cycling happenings. I love the subtle sarcasm by all the members. Also a great way to zone out as I'm slinging Twin 6 product all day at work. Plus, they keep... It PG sometimes for the kids, which is always hilarious because not swearing is funnier than swearing sometimes. Keep it up. Proud of you. Little guy, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Um, and you are swearing. I think an apology could could go a long mm. way. Um, I know, but there was a word I was supposed to, I don't remember. Josh I do want to say that... It's pretty I'm, crappy. You can't remember that, little guy. Crappy. <laughs> you, know, you know, Josh... Well done. You're the first Josh. review of our podcast that actually name dropped a brand that you work. Managed for. to plug. That is, yeah. We just we just fantastic. read an advertisement. Yes, that was good. That was really good. Uh, congratulations, uh, Josh. Well done there. Um, you um, can always leave us reviews on iTunes um, where you download us. Uh, email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail dot com. Find us on Twitter at theslowridepod and. Uh, Guys, is there anything else you want to go um, with that we're back, back in action? Um, any advice to the, uh, the the thousands of listeners that have been emailing us for this episode? I don't think I have any advice. No. All right. Don't do, don't do don't do nighttime cross races because they're stupid and they should be banned. That's <laughs> right. Okay. And with that, we want to thank BK One of Rhymesters Entertainment for our intro and outro music. Want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, please tell your friends, iTunes, Stitcher. 
Um, people will be asking if we're doing a live show in Asheville, North Carolina, and we Did will you just not say be. People be asking. Hell yeah. no, we are not going. Yeah. No more live show. Uh, we, uh, one of us may be in Asheville, North Carolina, but um, if anybody wants to pay for my plane ticket, I'll happily go. Um, other than that, we'd like to uh, remind you that always, always, always wave at your fellow spandex clown suit wearing nerds that you see out on the road and the trail. And oh my god, guys, I just did it. I that made it pretty good. for the first smooth. time ever. Acknowledgement. Gold star. All right. And with that, we bid you adieu. You're going to get a personal pan pizza for that. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com. And on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Mm-hmm.